turning this uh, morning to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5 and verse 5. Matthew 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall be inherit the earth. Well, friends, we're looking uh, this morning at this uh, third beatitude, and we'll be concentrating uh, solely on this the meekness of those, or the blessedness of those uh, who are meek. And my subject is uh, power in meekness. That's what it's about, I think. Power in meekness and blessedness. Happy, extremely happy, supremely happy, immensely happy are these people who have these qualities, these people who have these characteristics. The world is looking for happiness. Here it is. Here is true happiness. The most happy people in all the world. Who are they? Who are the happiest people in all the world? Is it the rich? Is it the famous? Is it the stars? Are they the happiest people in all the world? Their autobiographies and biographies tell us no. They are not the happiest. Is it that football star? That sports star who is in the limelight, who scores those goals, he has a temporary happiness. It lasts for a few seconds, then it's gone. He's gone, then he's looking for it again and again. He must have something more. It doesn't last. Who is the happiest? Who has deep contentment in their souls? Who is, has peace, abounding peace that keeps them even in the midst of difficult times? Even in the midst of troubling times, they are kept. Who are these people? Who has such qualities as these? Who are so blessed in such a way? The Christian people. Believers are these. This is who we are talking about. The happiest people on earth, friends, are believing people. Those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a happiness that they have to wait for. In, in some senses it is, because the fullness of that happiness is yet to come. But it's a happiness that begins now. From the day that they come to know the Lord, they leap for joy, their sins are forgiven, God's curse is removed from their life, God is blessing them. What more can we want in life? and access to God in a right relationship with Him. He looks upon you with favor. You are brought into His family. You are brought into His child. Oh, friends, I'm preaching the gospel to you. Isn't this as exciting for us as believers that we have such a tremendous starting point in life, a happiness and a joy that is deep uh, within and that's a foretaste of things to come. Now, when we've mentioned these things previously, I've told you that they are all spiritual characteristics. And I just want to remind you again, that's what these are. These are not something that comes naturally to us, not something that we are born with. These are characteristics also that you will find in every true believer. Not one or the other. All of them are present in everyone who has been born again of the Holy Spirit. In some degree, they are there. 
These are not something that a person has worked into their lives, something that they've seen, oh, this is a good trait to have. Let me try and adopt it. Let me try and be meek. Let me try and be poor in spirit. It's not something that appeals really to the world. The natural man looks at these things and it's, it's, he's averse to it. No, be meek. That's weakness, isn't it? Be poor in spirit. Be unimportant. No, I want to be known as important. That's how the natural man thinks, isn't it? But the spiritual man doesn't think like that because these are spiritual qualities given to him by the Holy Spirit as a result of his uh, new birth. These are not techniques and strategies and self-improvement books that he has read that has brought him to this place. Only the new birth has brought him to this place and made him what he is. So friends, as we come to this third beatitude, we see how it follows on so very nicely from the first uh, two. The person who realizes his true state before God, that he is spiritually poor, that he is spiritually impoverished, that he really is nothing before God. He is of no importance, nothing that he can commend himself to God. And when he sees that, it leads him to mourn over his condition, as we saw last week. And then it creates in him also this sense of mildness and gentleness in his disposition. He is given a meek and a disposition. A person who has come to realize his poverty of spirit, well, he cannot lift himself up. He cannot act proudly anymore. He's, there's something that's broken in him. What's broken? His pride is broken. He's no longer thinking in that same way he, of himself as he was in his unconverted days. Something has changed. God has changed him and brought him down a peg or two or more. And he's become this gentle person with this meek disposition, a disposition that is not easily provoked, a disposition that bears much from others without retaliation, without getting its own back, that doesn't avenge itself. This is the meek person he has become. A, a meekness, a disposition that leaves itself in God's hands because he knows best, he says to himself. He's my God. I will trust him. Whatever he does to me, whatever he sends my way, good or bad, I will trust him because he is my Father. He knows all. He sees all. He sends all. He sees these things. And he receives them as from God's hands. The one who has been emptied of self-importance, well, he's now carrying himself in a different way to his unconverted days. And the way he interacts with other people is also so different. Oh, friends, this third beatitude, uh, just like uh, the previous two, we have to say, again, it sends shockwaves to those who are listening to him. Remember the thousands gathered on that mountain alongside his own uh, disciples. And uh, the, the mindset of those who are listening to him had been so programmed by the religious leaders of the day in a wrong way. They had been programmed to expect that Messiah, who is going to be strong uh, politically 
He was going to be a man of might. He was going to come in this, uh, earth, with this earthly power. He was be, going to become as a military man, as it were. And he was going to be one of the great world leaders of the time. This is how uh, they were thinking about the Messiah that was to come. This is what their religious teachers had taught them. This is the, they'd gone to the scriptures and from those scriptures misinterpreted it and said the man, the Messiah who's going to come is going to be all glorious and he's going to be an influential man in this world, a significant person with earthly might and power. And that's the way they were thinking. Had they not read? Had they not read Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9 where it says about the the prophecy about the Messiah, rejoice greatly, shout, it said, for joy. Behold, thy king cometh, just and having salvation with him, lowly, lowly sitting on an ass upon a colt, the foal of an ass. That's how he came. The Messiah was predicted and prophesied to be a lowly man. That's the outward appearance of him upon an ass. But uh, meekness, well, meekness to the, the, those who are listening to him, well, that's a weak person. That's not a politically strong military uh, general, as it were. Uh, that's a spinelessness. Uh, meekness is timorousness. Meekness is powerlessness. How can it be that this Messiah would be? So imagine you're listening there, and you, you had that mindset, and suddenly the Lord says, blessed are the meek. Christ is re-educating them and showing to them meekness really is not weakness. Meekness is actually might and powerful, as we'll see. Perhaps, friends, we are in need of unlearning ourselves. Perhaps we have sat in, in places where we have been taught and instructed in the wrong way about many things. Perhaps we have been sat in a place perhaps for years and under a ministry where the emphasis has been on power. And we've been told God wants to empower you and God wants to make you mighty and God wants to give you the power to do the miraculous things. And you're told these things again and again. This is what God wants to do. God wants to give you the power to heal the sick God wants to give you the power to cast out devils. God wants to give you power to release. God wants to give you the power to pronounce a blessing. God wants to give you a power to claim and reclaim the land and this and that. This is the kind of power God wants to give you. And people are taught this. And people are taught this is, uh, this is, uh, this is God's teaching. This is God's Word. They even use, I remember hearing a, a preacher uh, and he was talking about that very scripture, Zechariah 9, verse 9, about the, 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 the king coming uh, lowly and uh, on a fold, uh, sorry, on an ass, upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And he said that ass was the Mercedes of the time. And he said, this is, this is how he came into Jerusalem, on the Mercedes of the time. Well, he only has to read Zechariah chapter 9, verse 10. And there the Lord talks about the chariots and the horses. They were the Mercedes of the time. Not a colt, not, a, not an ass, not a donkey. But the Lord came in such a way. No, friends, our strength, our power, our ability to make a difference lies in a holy life. 
living in a holy life, a life that seeks to honor God, in a humble walking with God, in meekness. Friends, meekness is might. Meekness is powerful. Meekness will have more of an impact than the, than the other things that we have mentioned, the miraculous things that people seek after. This is what we need to learn if we have not got it yet. Well, what then is meekness? Well, the word means a mildness, a gentleness, uh, but it's not timidity. Don't get it wrong. It's not being timid, <laughs> you know, and just uh, allowing people to walk all over you. That's not, uh, that's not uh, meekness. Meekness is not weakness. You remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ? We have to start there. He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Why? For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Here he is, the Son of God, who came from heaven, who has all power in his hands, the divine Son of God, the Almighty, the one who has power over all flesh. I am meek and I am lowly in heart, he says. Alongside his might is his meekness, his lowliness, his gentleness. So he, wasn't def he was certainly not a weak person. He was a mighty person, yet meekness was one of his characteristics. Look at the way, friends, that he dealt with people. He is approachable. He is an approachable savior, an approachable person. It's not difficult to gain access to Christ. People in, didn't find it difficult. The prostitutes found their way to him. Sinners found their way to him. Somehow or other, they were able to get to him. And he, he didn't turn them away. He was approachable. He was not a difficult person to be with and to live with, as some of us are. He was a meek person. Look at his disciples. They lived with him for three years. And not a bad word is said about him. They knew him inside out, you could say. And uh, yet they never said anything critical about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we say a lot of things in public, but we say even more at home. <laughs> our true colors come out at home. Everything comes out. We let our hair down, as they say, at home. That's a real person, isn't it? Well, Christ, when he was at home with his disciples, they didn't see anything they could point their finger at. He was uh, harmless. He was kind there at home as he was in public. He was gentle at home as he was in public. You see, look at him in the way he reacts to other people. They scorned him. They provoked him. And uh, yet he is gracious in his response. You see it in his reaction to his enemies when they said some very, very awful and terrible and almost blasphemous words when they called him a devil. He has a devil. And he didn't respond and call down uh, thunder and, and lightning to fall down upon them, which he could have done and destroyed them. He never retaliated. You see, friends, you see his uh, meekness in his submission to his Father's will. Oh, look at him there that night before the cross, and he's in the garden of Gethsemane, and he's sweating drops of blood, 
and uh, he's, he's in great agony of soul. We cannot understand it. We cannot take it in. Uh, we, we sing, oh, Lord, make me understand it. Help me to take it in. But we cannot because he is there in great agony of soul. What is troubling you, O Son of God? What is it that's... Well, the, the cross, of course, is before him. But it's not the physical sufferings that he has to go through. It's all the, the awful suffering of being separated from his Father. It's never happened before. He's never being separated, that sense of the Father's love. He has known in eternity past, forever and ever. And now for the very first time, He is to be separated from these things and He is to be made a sin offering. And God is, as it were, going to forsake Him. And He can't bear the thought of it. And He prays and He cries and He says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. He really, as a man, wanted, is there another way, Father, for me to go? Is there another something else whereby the salvation of my people can be achieved? Is there another way? Do I have to go this way? You have to go, son. And Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. I will go. If I, he struggles as a man. The God-man, he's struggling there for us. But at the end, he says, I submit, Lord. I will go your way. That's what meekness does. It submits to the Father. And when they came to arrest him, <laughs> such an army came out to arrest him, and uh, uh, Peter took out his sword and cut off the, the ear of one of the, 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 the priests, uh, servants, Malchus. And what happened? <laughs> The Lord healed that person and he said, put away your sword. Don't you know, I have a prayer away. Just a prayer away. I can call down 12 legions of angels to defend me. But he didn't because he submitted to the Father's will. He knew this is what he had to go through to obtain our salvation. Look at him at the cross. <laughs> it just goes, his sufferings, even before the cross, when he was uh, flogged and all the things people said about him and the way the pilot and his soldiers humiliated him and he is a lamb led to the slaughter. Oh, he opened not his mouth. Silent. Glorious silent. A meek silent. He is innocent. He's looked upon as guilty. He could have vindicated himself. He doesn't do it. This is him. Look at him on the cross. Abuse, one after the other, they pass by in front of him and they cast abuse, they throw abuse in his face. And he says nothing. Or hear him say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Meekness. <laughs> Meekness, friends. Oh, friends, this is, what, uh, this is what Christ has done. This is something of what meekness is. This is what something of what we are called uh, to be like, this is not natural. Can a natural man endure these things and react and be in the same way as this? He cannot. It's impossible. It's a spiritual thing, friends. Put thy sword in thy, in thy sheath, he said, but the cup which my Father hath given me, shall I not drink it? And this is what he did. So, uh, it's, so meekness we can see, friends, has to do with our behavior towards one another and also our attitude to God and what and His will in our life. Somebody has described it like this. Meekness is power blended with gentleness. 
boldness with humility, the harmlessness of the dove with the prowess of the lion. And uh, A.W. Pink said, uh, said this, uh, meekness is the taming of the lion, the making of the wolf to lie down as a kid. And that's, that's a, a good uh, explanation as well. Well, friends, meekness, it can get angry, but it doesn't. It can get impatient, but it holds back. It restrains itself. It, meekness bears patiently with other people. And hurtful words are spoken, words which are needling. Cutting remarks are made. Affronts come our way. Meekness is not easily offended. Meekness doesn't hold, uh, hold grudges and resentments. Meekness is courteous. Meekness is kind. Meekness is approachable. Meekness is forgiving. Meekness restrains from personal revenge. Meekness, as we said, is submissive to the will of God. These is what it is. It's not something stoical. <laughs> it's not me just biting my lips and you know, just trying to hold myself in. It's not something that is insensible and flabby. Not just a person being nice all the time. No, friends, it's much more than that. Oh, let me tell you about David. You know King David. He was a mighty man. Oh, he was no weakling. He was a mighty man. As a young boy, he, he fought with his bare hands with a bear. And on another occasion, he fought with a lion with his bare hands, and he won. Oh, the boys will say, what a tremendous person. Oh, I want to be like David. He is so great. He is so uh, mighty uh, in uh, these things. He is unafraid when that giant is uh, before him, Goliath. <laughs> Everyone else is afraid to face that six-footer or eight-footer uh, giant with so many toes, than, more toes than natural people have and more strength than natural people have. And nobody will go out to him. David will go out to him. Oh, no doubt he was mighty. He was strong. Even his physical strength is from the Lord. But he went out and look at him, inspired. He had something, he had a power mightier than his physical power. He had a meekness, friends. He knew that he was destined to be the king. Samuel had told him. Samuel had anointed him from young. He knew that the, the, the throne was, was his, given to him by God. He hadn't gone looking for it, but God said, it's going to be yours. But he waited uh, for the time when God would give it to him. The incumbent king, Saul, he knew about David. He knew that David was going to be the next king. And he did his level best to kill him. And he chased after him. And he harassed him. And he hounded after David again and again. He kept on doing these things. And yet, how would David re react? David still treated this king who was after him, who had murderous intentions against him, with great respect. With great respect. <laughs> this is mighty. This is more powerful to do what he did than even to kill the lion with his bare hands, which he did. On another occasion, or oh, more than one occasion, David actually had the opportunity to kill Saul. And his men were saying, kill him. Look, God has given him into your hands. Here he is. 
David wouldn't do it. David refrained. He said, no, touch not the Lord's anointed. I cannot do this. He's God's anointed. I must wait God's time. Meekness, restraint. When he had to flee from Jerusalem because his own son had risen up against him and his life was in danger, and as he was going out with his, his men and his people, and there was Shimei uh, uh, on some high mountain, and he was looking down at David, and he was, he was uh, cursing him and taunting him and, and saying all sorts of manner of evil things. You bloody men, he said, you've got blood on your hands, David. And saying all sorts of unjust and horrible and dreadful things, cursing David. And Abishai, Abishai, one of David's right-hand men, one of the mighty soldiers and the mighty men that he had, he said to David, why should this dead dog curse my king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. That's a natural man's reaction. That's what you and I would want to do, isn't it? Sometimes take off people's heads. If only I could, we may say in our hearts. Not David. Let it be. Let him be. Let him say what he says. He looks beyond the first cause to the second cause to the first cause to God. The Lord has allowed him to curse me. He takes it from the Lord's hands. Natural man can't do that. This is a spiritual thing, friends. David took it from the Lord. The Lord had said, this is meekness, the greater power than physical might. He was a Puritan minister. And uh, I read off, and he was sitting at a table one day eating his dinner in a public place. And an ungodly man uh, insulted him initially by taking a glass of beer and throwing that beer in his face. The godly minister took out his handkerchief. He wiped away uh, the, the beer from his face and he just carried on eating. The man, more incensed by this reaction, took another pint of beer, did the same thing, threw it again, in his face. And again, the minister got out his handkerchief, wiped away the beer, and carried on eating. Third time, the man again got another glass of beer, threw it again in his face. And this time, as well as the action, he added his insults and oaths and swearing uh, to the man, cursing him. And the minister Again, did the same thing, took out his handkerchief, wiped away the beer, and said nothing. He made no reply, but it was all too much by this time for that ungodly man. He was broken when he saw this reaction. And he fell down at the minister's feet, and he said, Oh, your Christian meekness and your tender look has subdued me. No words to that effect. The response of that man, that preacher man, that meek response brought him to his knees. Oh, friends, this is meekness. The man also, we can say, who is meek, has a low view of himself. 
He's not a person who is absorbed with himself like before. Yes, he is aware of his poverty and his, his, uh, his, he mourns over these things, but he's not somebody who's going to be engrossed with himself. That's the thing. He has a slow view of himself. He's not going to be a person, hear me, who is self-sensitive, who is easily offended, a touchy person, a testy person, a person who is meek, is not such a self-pitying person. He is never sorry for himself. Poor me, how unkind people are to me. Why did you say that to me? Why did you do that to me? I'm off, I'm off, and off in the puff. Meekness doesn't do that. Self-pity does. Self-pity, oh friends, it absorbs so much of our time and our energy. And the thing about it, it's all wasted time and energy. It's all wasted emotions giving in to my, oh, poor, poor me. If only they treated me better. I feel a bit like Eeyore. You know Eeyore? In the... In the in the, in the, I can't remember, but he or the donkey who always feels sorry for himself and always is moaning and grumbling about things. Well, friends, we're not like that. Meekness is not like that. Meek, the meek man realizes because he is low, nobody can harm him. John Bunyan said, He that is down need fear no fall. Get it? He that is down needs fear no fall. Somebody said to Spurgeon something along the same lines. If I'm one inch off the ground, I'm one inch too high. That's where we are, friends. That's where meekness realizes we are. So this is what we need. This is what Paul emphasizes in his letters. Are we believers? This is what we must put on. Are we unbelievers? We can't put it on. We must be born again. But there's also this second aspect, not only on this uh, horizontal level, but a vertical level. There's this Godward aspect of meekness. Meekness is opposed to self-will. Meekness is, is teachable. When he hears the Word of God, he says, I must change. I must change. Or I must, I must do something with this word that I've heard. It's, it's not just learning intellectually. It is doing that. But it's learning the doctrines. But it's, it's also learning what is God saying to me and where my, I must change my life. It's submitting to His will. It's submitting, friends, to His chastenings, to His disciplines, to the trials that He sends my way. It's being like Job in the midst of His trials. Shall we receive good from the hand of the Lord and not evil? This is our attitude, isn't it, as believers? This is what meekness is. Blessed are those who yield to God's will in their lives and for their lives. Blessed are we who say, not my will, but thine be done. Not only at the beginning of our life, but every day of our life. Not my will, but thine be done. Do you have a big decision to make? A choice is before you. New job, 
career path, moving home perhaps somewhere nicer, somewhere better or more convenient. You have your preferred options. This is what I would like to do. But it's in conflict perhaps with God's will. It's in conflict perhaps with what He wants you to do. You know it will take you away from the Lord's day. You know it will take you away and diminish what you can do for Him, your service contributions for Him. It will harm you spiritually to make that move, to make that choice which outwardly looks so right and good. And we say, meekness says, not my will, but thy will be done. Oh friends, meekness also submits to God's providence. I may have many difficulties. I may have many aches and pains. I may have to carry a heavy burden. I may have a new burden which has just been placed upon my shoulders and I never expected it. I expected to retire. I expected to have things nice and easy for the remainder of my life. And now suddenly something has come into my life and it's, it's, it's thrown all my plans in tatters and what am I to do now? Well, that, this is from the Lord. I take it as from the Lord. Do I complain and grumble about this new situation that's happened and I've been impacted and my plans now, uh, you know, I cannot follow them anymore. Meekness accepts what God has sent its way. Meekness says, well, all things work together for good to them that love God. It clings on to that uh, precious promise and it praises Him still. It thanks Him still and it asks for help to, uh, to in and grace to manage that new situation. This is meekness, friends. There's more to say, but uh, let me just finish and just very briefly with that second part. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They shall inherit the earth. This is a promise from Psalm 37 and verse 11. And we, uh, we read it, the whole psalm earlier. What a psalm it is. But uh, here, those who are blessed shall inherit the earth. Speaking of the abundance of, of peace that they will have, the, the meek person is going to get so much enjoyment out of life. He's going to get so much enjoyment even out of his earthly portion. Whether it's small portion or a large portion, it's not really relevant to his joy. That meekness is going to enable him to manage everything and to be at peace in every situation. He's not going to be so agitated and troubled and sleepless at night because of what other words people have said to him and done to him or not done to him. Because meekness sometimes gets upset when people don't treat it as they should be. But no, he's not going to be like that. He's going to enjoy a great measure of peace because he's able to rise above these things with the help of the Lord. Meekness is always satisfied. It's content with whatever God sends it and gives it or doesn't give it. He takes it from the Lord. He blesses God for everything that, uh, that he has. He's satisfied. He's content. He has those precious promises. All things are yours, which uh, Paul speaks of in Corinthians. 
whether Christ or Apollos or all the preachers, or all the promises of God are His. He is more than content, friends. He inherits these things. But perhaps also here uh, is a reference to the new earth because the word, uh, they shall inherit the earth, is as the word earth could be translated land, which would refer to Canaan, uh, an allusion to the promised land. And the meek shall inherit, we can say, the new earth, the rejuvenated earth. When this earth will be burnt up, this old world will be destroyed and God will create a new heavens and a new earth. And who will dwell, who will inherit that new earth? The meek, the believer, those who are trusting in Christ and they alone. Wasn't it clear when we read Psalm 37? If you didn't get it, go back, read it again. And almost every occurrence where it says about inheriting the earth, the kind of people who will inherit the earth, the righteous, at the same time, the very next line almost, it says, tells you about those who will not be there. The wicked will not be there. The unbeliever will not inherit the earth. You will look for him. You cannot find an unbeliever in that new world. The believer will inherit those wonderful, tremendous things that God has prepared for them. But the unbeliever will be blotted out. Of the, he's not, he's not going to inherit these things. He's not going to be present bodily upon that new earth. But the believer will. Oh, friends, it's a, it's a joy to us if we know the Lord. But if we don't, it's also a call to us to come. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on that which God has prepared, the inheritance that the Lord has prepared for all who will trust in the Savior. Don't say no. What? You want to live for this life, for this world? What can it offer you? Don't do that. Live for the Lord. Live for that future world. Blessings start now, yes. But we need to. He is our God. Don't keep Him out of our lives. Turn to Him uh, even today. Here we are, friends. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's close by singing our final hymn, which is number 548. Father, I know that all my life is portioned out for me. 548.